you have a Bible handy, I want to encourage you to turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 22. Luke, chapter number 22. And I want to bring a message that I believe uh, will resonate with us because uh, there are many that feel that they are ready to move on from COVID. We're ready to move on from 2020. We're ready to move on from all of the vitriol, the divisiveness, and, and we're ready for the Lord to come. And, and, and so you, you feel in your spirit that you are, and you are ready for that change. And yet, there are some things I think that we must consider if that is indeed the case. And today I want us to consider this, and in the interest of time, I'm going to read a lengthy portion of Scripture. And then I'm going to jump in and preach that portion, and uh, I'll move rather quickly through this. But we'll begin reading in verse number 31. And here the Bible says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord... I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day, before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. And he said unto him, When I sent you without purse and scrip and shoes, lacked ye anything? And they said nothing. And he said unto them, But now he that hath the purse, let him take it. And likewise his scrip, and he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say unto you that this that is written must yet be accomplished in me. And he was reckoned among the transgressors, for the things concerning me have an end. And they said, Lord, behold, here are two swords. And he said unto them, It is enough. And he came out and went as he was wont to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him, and when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou wilt be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow, and said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. And while he yet spake, behold, a multitude, and he that was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near unto Jesus to kiss him. Jesus said unto him, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? When they which were about him saw what would follow, they said unto him, Lord, shall we smite with the sword? And one of them smote the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. Jesus answered and said, Suffer ye thus far. And he touched his ear and he healed him. And Jesus said unto the chief priests and captains of the temple, and the elders which were come to him, Be come out as against the thief with swords and staves. When I was daily with you in the temple, 
you stretch forth no hands against me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. And they took him and led him and brought him into a high priest into the high priest's house. And Peter followed afar off. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall, and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. And a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire, and earnestly looked upon him, and said, This man was also with him. And he denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. And after a little while another saw him and said, Thou art also of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. And about the space of one hour after another, confidently affirmed, saying, Of a truth, this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Lord, help us tonight to draw the truth that you have set before us. Use me now, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. As we consider the words of our Lord, we see that the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. When thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. He said, I'm ready. I'm ready. There are many Christians today that feel in their hearts that they are ready for something new. That they are ready for whatever God may appoint in their lives. Yet when we consider Simon Peter, we discover that that same spirit was within him. However, when Peter was put to the test, he was found to be unprepared for that which he would face. God had to deal with Peter in a manner that would finally bring him back to a place that he could be used to his fullest potential. And it was ultimately the epic fail in his life that brought about his humiliation and thus began the new day that he long before said that he was ready for. Perhaps you believe that you're ready for a new day. And I think that if that be the case, we must be reminded of the words of Peter again. I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. But really when he was put to the test, he was shown to be entirely unprepared for that moment. When the moment to take a stand arose, he wilted like a flower in the summer sun. And what I'm saying to you is that I think we need to take a step back and take an estimation, if you would, of our own readiness. And understand that Peter 
really thinking himself to be ready for whatever the Lord would appoint. And really, he was ready for the Lord to bring in the kingdom so he could have a celebrated position of leadership together with the Lord. But he was not ready for what the Lord had appointed. He was not ready for the struggle and the testing that would follow. And we find that in Matthew 26, Peter stood boldly and, and answered the Lord and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended of thee, yet will I never be offended. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee that this night before the cock crow thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. He believed himself to be ready to take a stand, to die, to, if need be, go to prison for Jesus' sake. He said, I'm ready. I'm ready. I think that what we need to do is we need to, just for a moment, consider the estimation of readiness. We need to, we need to get an estimation of, of how ready we truly are for whatever God may appoint in our lives. And I believe that we would do well to just understand that Peter, in his own mind, felt that he was more prepared than all of the other disciples. He said, though everyone else is going to be offended because of you, though everyone else might forsake you and flee, yet will I never forsake you, I am ready to go with thee into prison or even unto the death. And so in his own estimation... He felt he was far more equipped and far more ready than anyone that he knew. And yet that was not the case, was it? The truth is that Peter did love the Lord. He loved Him on a level, however, that did not equip him to say and to declare the things that he said. Peter had not yet at this point in time come to the place of complete and total surrender unto the Lord. It's interesting that the Lord had just said, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Understand that the Lord knew the readiness of Peter, that he wasn't all there yet, he knew he had a little further to go, a little further to grow, some more lessons to learn. You see, Peter gave up his profession, and Peter gave up his possessions, but Peter had not surrendered his pride. He felt that he was more ready than anyone else. As we a read of this statement in the Gospel of Mark again. He felt like everyone else would. They would fold like a deck of cards. And yet, he would never do it. His own estimation of being ready for anything God appointed in his life was that I'm more prepared than anybody else. And maybe there's someone listening tonight and you think, I'm ready. I, I am fully 
committed to whatever God appoints, and I wonder if that's really indeed the case. Well, not only must we take an estimation of our readiness, but I think in due time there will be a revelation of our readiness. We read the accounting of Jesus going out into the Mount of Olives and to the Garden of Gethsemane. The struggle that ensued there for the Lord and yet for the disciples. And then with the arrest, the betrayal and arrest of Jesus being taken to the hall of Caiaphas where there He was tried in the residence of the high priest. And we find that some things were revealed. I think that there were several things that revealed the lack of Peter's readiness. And perhaps it may reveal some things that we need to be prepared for. And we yet need to surrender. For the Bible tells us in verse 45, when he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow. I think that we see that Peter's lack of readiness was revealed by his drowsiness. He wasn't alert and awake to the needs of the Savior, to whatever he might be able to do for the Lord in the hour of his agony. Sweating as it were great drops of blood, pouring out his heart before the Lord, and being so beset, body, soul, and spirit, that God sent an angel to minister to him because the ones that perhaps thought themselves to be ready to die for him, to go to prison for him, that they would never forsake him when he was in need, they were not there for him. And so the Lord had to send an angel to minister unto him was revealed by his own drowsiness. And perhaps there are moments in time in our lives where things are coming unwound and we don't seem to have any control and we're deeply concerned and we're beset by our circumstances and yet we find ourselves so taken up with our own sorrows and our own issues that what we want to do is we want to sleep and hope that it will pass us by rather than attending unto the Lord and ministering unto the Lord. And I think that really what we find about Peter is that his lack of readiness was revealed by his drowsiness. He wasn't ready to sit up through the night watches and pray with the Lord. He wasn't ready to sit up through the night watches and minister to the Lord as Satan literally, I believe, sought to snuff out the life of Jesus before He could ever reach that, that mount that we sang about, the Mount Calvary. What I'm saying to you is that sometimes we can stand up in a crowd when everything is going well and when, when it seems popular to do so and we can... Declare our readiness and our, our devotion to the Lord and our love for Him and that everyone else may go back on God, but I never will. And yet, He couldn't even stay awake to minister to the Lord in the night watches. And sometimes I think, you know, the Lord would have us to stay awake in the night watch. The Lord would have us when we are tossing and turning and cannot sleep to realize that He's calling us to an encounter with Him. 
Today I talked to several people that said, I just can't get, get any sleep at night. I, I'm tossing and turning. I have insomnia. I'm tired all the time. And you know, I couldn't help but think in my own spirit that perhaps that insomnia is occasioned by Almighty God because He wants to have an encounter in the night watches with you. And we're not recognizing it. And Peter didn't recognize the fact that the Lord was in dire distress such that an angel had to come and minister to him because there was none of the twelve that could even stay awake to do so. His lack of readiness was revealed by his drowsiness. The Bible reveals to us in verse 56, A certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him. Another gospel calls this woman a young maiden, uh, perhaps a teenage girl. And his lack of readiness was revealed by a damsel. He could not even take a stand. It wasn't that he was ready to take on the Roman army with a single sword, or that he was ready to take on all of the high priests in his court with a single sword. No, he could not even stand up to a little girl. The fact of the matter is, my friend, that sometimes there are people that are so weak in what they believe and so uh, cowed by the confidence of some that don't believe exactly right that they're not willing to take a stand when the Lord calls us to do so. We say, I'm ready, but then, you know, we're confronted by a little child and, and we don't even know what to say. We sound like Elmer Fudd on crack. You know, we, we just uh, stutter and stammer and we don't know where to go or what to say. And so we just don't do anything. We don't take our stand, even though we think, oh, I'm ready. I'm more ready than anybody I know. And then when the moment comes, all it takes is a little girl to back us away from all of our proud declarations. His lack of readiness was revealed by his drowsiness in the garden and by a damsel in the hall. But what we find is that in verse 54, it says, they took him, meaning Jesus, and led him and brought him into the high priest's house. And Peter followed afar off. Peter followed afar off. Peter's lack of readiness was revealed by the distance which he kept from the Lord. You know, I believe that there are many that say, well, I'm a follower of Jesus, but you know, they're just not going to follow Him that closely. Sometimes you'll be driving down the road and stop at a stoplight and There'll be a believer perhaps in a car in front of you and there'll be a bumper sticker that says, do you follow Jesus this close? In fact, all of us would like to think that we do. But I wonder really if we're having the in-person service tonight and the Lord came to church if you'd come with Him. Or if you say, I'll watch it on the internet. I'll, I'll keep my distance from it because of COVID. Sometimes I think we fear disease more than we fear God. I'm not mocking anyone that may have an underlying condition. I respect those that, that need to, to, to exercise caution. But you know, folks, I'm just going to say, there's going to come a day where you, you, you realize that there's a vaccination and people are going to be vaccinated or people are going to achieve herd immunity and it's not going to be as big a thing. It'll be just like the swine flu or the bird flu or something like that, and, 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 and it will be in the rearview mirror, and you know what, all of a sudden, that excuse is going to be taken away from you. And then, you know what? All your declarations will be put to the test. 
And perhaps even still, you'll find that you're following the Lord, but at a great distance. There was no closeness there. If really all that he declared in the garden was so, then I believe Peter would likely have been right there following closely. He would have been somewhere near Jesus' side. He would have been within reach of those soldiers. And, and he would have been there concerned about the welfare of the Lord. He would have been concerned. You know what? There are folks that say, Oh, I love the Lord and I love His body, the church. And yet, you know what? They haven't darkened the door of the church house since March 15th. They, they haven't sent an offering since March 15th. They haven't talked to the people of God since March 15th. They have distanced themselves because of the need, we think, for social distancing. But really what has transpired is not social distancing, but spiritual distancing. They have begun to follow the Lord from a distance, as Peter did, afar off. Lord, I am ready not only to go into prison, but to the death for you, he said. Though all men should forsake you and be offended because of you this night, yet will I never be offended because of you. He thought he was more ready than anyone else. But he wasn't as revealed by the distance between him and the Lord. My friends, don't follow the Lord afar off. Be close. Draw near. What we find is that the Bible tells us that when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. And a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire. What we find in this passage and in other passages of the Gospels that give us this accounting is that uh, Peter sat down with the world around the fire. Instead of seeking to be at the side of Jesus and finding comfort in knowing how Jesus fared and being available to whatever Jesus might have need of, he was delighting himself in the fact that there was some warmth provided by the enemy's fire. And so he distanced himself from God and he drew near to the comforts that this world could provide him in the moment. And there are many who reveal their lack of readiness by the mere fact that they take greater delight in the comforts of this world than they do the comfort of the presence of God. They're willing to warm themselves with that which this world has to offer. They will get wrapped up in all of the Christmas uh, season and narrative about looking for a Christmas miracle and, and their hearts will be warmed by uh, acts of kindness and humanitarianism and, and it will bring a tear to their eye when they see a sad commercial on TV. But when it comes to the things of the Lord, they just don't quite have the same emotional pull within. Though they say they're ready, they're delighting themselves in a commercial or in the narrative of Christmas and the ethereal rather than in the very presence 
of the Lord God. We find not only was his lack of readiness revealed by his drowsiness when he should have been roused to pray and to minister, and revealed by a damsel though he should have stood in the face of a girl. It was revealed by the distance that he kept, by the delight that he took in the comforts of this world, but it was especially revealed by the denial of his Savior Jesus. When the hour of our Lord's greatest need was upon them, he proved he was not at all ready. He wasn't ready. I've had many conversations with my brothers in the Lord about what I would do and what they might do if we were ever at gunpoint, threatened with our lives, unless we were to deny Jesus. What would we do in the moment? Would we take a stand like the teenage girl at Columbine High School so many years ago, who refused to renounce faith in Christ and was shot or life was taken from her because in that moment she proved herself to be ready. Or when it comes time for us to declare the name of the Lord, would we remain silent because we have a family to take care of? We have things to look to. Are we ready to take our stand as ready as we want everyone to think that we are? Peter declared it boldly. He thought he was more ready than any of the other twelve. And yet, in just the space of several hours, he proved that he was not at all at the place that he thought. And so what happened? Well, we find that Peter had to go back to school. He had to go back and learn those things that were needful so that he would indeed be ready. And so we discover thirdly the remediation for readiness. He had to go back and be taught again, even as the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 5, what, what time you ought to be teachers of the Word. You have need that one teach you again the first things uh, as of the oracles of God. Go back and learn what you should have nailed down in the first grade. And you seem to have forgotten. You see, he had to be remediated and he needed to see a revelation of himself apart from Christ. He needed to see the frailty of self outside of Jesus. And how utterly unprepared the flesh is to stand up in spiritual battle apart from the enablement of Almighty God. And it led him to a moment of humiliation in his life. It brought him to where God led Job to. The turning point for readiness in the life of Job came in Job chapter 42 and verse number 6 where he said, I abhor myself. I repent in sackcloth 
and ashes, you say, well, you know, someone shouldn't think like that. You, sh- you should be kinder to yourself. You don't say you hate yourself like that. No, P- what happened was in, in Job there in chapter 42, Job finally got the picture of who he really was apart from God. And what God allowed him to see, he didn't like very much. And I want to tell you, when the rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the words of the Lord, he he had a moment to see a revelation of his flesh apart from God. And what he saw left him utterly undone. Utterly unworthy to be among the people of God. Feeling utterly unworthy to be called a disciple of Jesus Christ. He distanced himself from them. He went out and he wept bitterly. But what we find is that the reproach for sin came upon him. For the Bible tells us that in verse number 61, the Lord turned and looked upon Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord. How he said unto him before the cock crow, Thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. There was a reproach that came upon him. A conviction, because he knew that Jesus heard and he saw. And as God would have it, at that very instant when Peter denied the Lord for the third time, at that instant, Jesus was being led through the hall and turned. It says, the Lord turned. So as they were leading the Lord, He paused, He turned. He looked at Peter. Perhaps in the history of the world, there has never been a more penetrating gaze, a more piercing look, a more convicting look. And yet that's indeed what happened. The Lord heard Him. He saw Him. And their eyes met. And a reproach came upon him and it was greater than he could bear. For he knew that everything he had declared had just gone away like sand through his fingers. And the reality was this, that he wasn't everything that he wanted everybody to believe that he was. He wasn't as ready to take his stand as he professed that he was and So God had to take him back to humiliate him like God did for Job and to allow him to sense the reproach and the conviction for sin. And then the Bible tells us that Peter went out and wept bitterly. These things occasion a repentance in the life of Peter. There is a stark contrast 
between Judas and Peter. One was the sorrow of the world, that was Judas. He felt bad for what he did. He sought to make amends. He threw those 30 pieces of silver back at the feet of the Sanhedrin. He felt bad about it. So bad that he went and he he took his life. It was a sorrow unto death. That's the sorrow of the world. But the sorrow that God uses in our lives to bring about repentance is a sorrow and a repentance unto life. Peter didn't just feel bad. Peter allowed God to utilize that occasion to change him into the man that God was calling him to be, to live the life that God had appointed for him to live. Until Jesus told him, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou art old, another shall gird thee, and carry thou whithersoever thou would not go. And this he spake concerning what death he should die. He told him, One day, Peter, you're going to be carried to a place of crucifixion. Now I want you to follow me. And he did. You see, something changed in Peter. There was a repentance where he turned away from that mindset of his own sense of worthiness and and readiness. and, And he understood the absolute need for redeeming and sustaining grace. And he was depending upon that grace and that comfort so much so that he became the apostle of suffering itself because he wanted to understand the great love of Jesus and he knew the great debt that he owed his Savior. And so there was a renewal to fellowship and to service. And it was revealed by what Jesus said was going to happen earlier as they made their way to the Mount of Olives. And there Jesus said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Don't give up on God. Don't stop believing. And when finally God brings you to that place of total surrender, when you are converted to the place where you are willing to place every aspect of your life in my hands, I have something that I have called you to do. I have a work for you to do. I want you to feed my lambs. I want you to feed my sheep. I have a work for you to do. And so I think that it is incumbent upon us tonight to have an examination of our own readiness. To pause for a moment and understand this. That in this passage we read that Jesus told Peter, Peter, I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. You know what Jesus was saying to Peter? Peter, I'm not against you, I'm for you. Peter, I am pulling for you. You know what the Bible says? It says, if God be for us, who can be against us? 
The Bible reveals there, He that spared not His own Son, but freely delivered Him for us all. How shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Understand that nothing shall ever be able to separate us from the love of God, and that we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. And Jesus tonight is not against you because of your failures. He is pulling for you. And let me say that He is praying for you. He said, I have prayed for thee. The Bible reveals in Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27, that God by His Spirit is praying for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And He understands the deepest cries of our broken heart. And He is praying for us. And so while we think maybe I'm not ready or maybe at some moment we have lifted up ourselves with pride trying to declare our own readiness, know this, that Jesus is on your side. He's pulling for you. That Jesus is praying for you. Imagine that the King of kings and the Lord of lords is praying for you. And then please know that Jesus is not only pulling for you and praying for you, but he is preparing you for what He's called you to. Faithful is He that calleth you who also will do it. Listen, behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. And brethren, it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as he is. He is preparing us for that moment when we indeed will stand complete in Him and utterly formed into the image of Jesus Christ. And that is a work that through sanctification He is using now to prepare us for that which He has called us to do. And let me say this to you, that Jesus is pleading with you to understand that He's calling us to cleanse our hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. He wants us to come to a place of humility before Him and see the frailty of our flesh outside of Him and be willing to lay our life at His feet such as it is and let Him be the one to lift us up rather than lifting up ourselves with our declarations of readiness to serve Almighty God. Simon Peter declared to the world that he was ready to lay down his life for Jesus and yet a short time and a minimal trial would reveal that he was not indeed ready. Though Jesus continued to have a plan for him as he does for you. Out of our failures, perhaps we'll hear the rooster crow and know that we have failed him. But let me ask you, what does the rooster crowing reveal to us? That when we have come to the end of ourself, and we have come face to face with our failure, that a new day is dawning. What that rooster crowing signified was this. Not just that what God said is true, though that, that is 
there marked the beginning of a new day. It was time to turn the page on the failure of last night. The rooster has crowed and the new day has dawned. Let's walk in His grace, understand His love, and lean upon the One who will sustain us. He will give you a new opportunity for fellowship. He will bless you with a new opportunity for service. And you will discover, as in time Peter did also, that His mercies are new every morning. For great is His faithfulness. Peter wasn't the faithful one here. It was Jesus. It was Jesus. I'm ready. I'm ready for a new day. I'm glad that you think that you are. Realize that He's the only one that can make you ready. And He's leading you to a place where you will fail of confidence in yourself and be filled with confidence in the only one that can see you all the way through. I think I hear a rooster crow. It's the signal that things are changing. It's the signal that a new day may be dawning. Heavenly Father, I thank You for the Word of God and the truth that it reveals. Lord, I pray that we would be emptied of self and pride. And that we would not have an overinflated estimation of our own worthiness or our readiness. But may we understand that our sufficiency is of God. May we rest in Him. And though we have failures like Peter, and the rooster's crow reveals that God is true, it also reveals that there's a new day that has dawned. And that His mercies are new in that new day. And that He still has a purpose. That He still has a plan. Lord, lead us to lay hold of that plan. Oh, how we need You. For this we pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. My friends that are watching, listening, wherever you are, perhaps the Lord has spoken to your heart. Would you determine just to lean upon Jesus? To rest in His sufficiency? Realize that that rooster crowing is not the indictment upon you. It's the revelation that it's a new day. It's dawning. And His mercies are new every morning. He still has a plan for you. Walk in it in humility. He has shown thee, O man, what is good, and what the Lord doth require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and 
to walk humbly with thy God. Maybe may we walk in such a manner with the Lord this year. And then for those that may be listening and do not know that if you died right now that you would go to heaven to be with the Lord. You're, you're concerned about that. Perhaps that's you. Not certain that your sins are forgiven. There's a little fear that just besets you day and night when you pillow your head. You wonder, if I got that COVID and didn't pull through, what then? The Bible says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. You see, Jesus wants you to know that you have eternal life. And He came so that we can have that confidence. What we must understand is, first of all, that we are sinners. The Bible says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. No one is perfect. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. And we miss the mark that God has set as the standard for heaven. Here's what it is. Perfect. A holy and a perfect God cannot accept less or He is no longer perfect. God's standard is perfection. It had to be satisfied. And God knew that we could never do that. We couldn't turn over a new leaf or be good enough to reach perfection. And even if we could change from this moment forward, we still have a list of sins past that are standing against the record. And so, there's a penalty for sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. That death is a separation from God in a place of suffering called hell. That's what death is. It's separation. James chapter 2 says the body without the spirit is dead. When they're separated, death occurs. And when we're separated from Almighty God, there's a spiritual death that takes place. That's a separation from God in a place of suffering for sin called hell. And that's what I deserve apart from God. That's what every person deserves. The Bible says... But God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That even though we were deserving of that punishment, God in love took the punishment for sin, yours and mine, upon His own body on the cross of Calvary. He suffered and bled and died to pay the price in full for your sin and mine. And now the Bible reveals the wages of sin is death, but... The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus has made eternal life possible to us as a gift, paid for in full with the shedding of His own blood. It is nothing that you have to achieve. It is something that you can only receive as a free gift purchased with the very blood of God. The Bible says it is not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. The Bible says in Romans 4, 5, Now unto him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. My friends, it is the gift of God offered freely, though it costs God everything. And with that shed blood, our sins are washed away. And the gates of heaven are open unto us as a free gift if we will simply believe Him and receive Him as the gift of God, as our Savior from sin and from hell. We must know that we're sinners. 
we cannot save ourselves, and that because of our sin, we deserve to die and go to hell to pay for our sin, but that Jesus loved us so much that He died in our place, and He offers forgiveness through His shed blood, and an eternal home in heaven because of His sacrifice, His burial, and His resurrection, proving that He is God alone and able to save you. If you desire to receive His gift and be saved tonight, to know your sins are forgiven and that heaven is your home, then you can receive that gift in this very moment by acknowledging what we have just shared with you and asking the Lord to forgive you and to save you. And a God that cannot lie has said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In a moment I'm going to pray with you, and my prayer can never save you. But if the words of this prayer reflect what is in your heart and you desire to be saved, make it your own personal sincere prayer to God, and you will be saved on the authority of God's Word. As I pray this prayer, you pray it now, if you believe it with all of your heart, just now. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to You tonight confessing that I am a sinner. I realize that I cannot save myself. I now invite Jesus into my heart and into my life to forgive me of all of my sin and to save me so that I may spend forever in heaven with God one day. I believe that Jesus died and was buried and that He rose again to give me this life. I'm now trusting in Jesus and Jesus only to be my Savior from sin and from hell. Thank You, O God, for dying for me. Enable me now to live for Thee. For this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Friend, this evening, if you prayed that prayer believing on the authority of God's Word, you have received forgiveness. You're saved and heaven is your eternal home. I'd like to share some materials with you that tell more about that. I'd like to give you a Bible. And if you've made that decision tonight, write to us. Our information is there on our website or perhaps the site that you dialed in on tonight. And uh, go to that place, send us a note, maybe give us a call, leave us a message. We want to be in touch with you. We want to help you. God loves you, and so do we. And thank you so much for listening and for choosing to be with us tonight. It's my prayer that God would bring to your mind the things that we have said and that you have seen revealed from the Word of God. Mm -hmm.